Are you enjoying our podcast? We want to hear your feedback. We are now on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Whichever platform tickles your fancy, give us a like and a rating. Welcome to the Medical Necessity Podcast, where we empower your mind, body, and spirit. This show does not offer medical advice, but it will help steer you through the whitewater rapids of misinformation. And now, your guides, Katrina and Dr. Gina, PT. Oh, I was, I was just looking into, because um, looking into something because I saw there's a protest tomorrow starting at Goodale Park. And part of the contingent that's going to be marching is a group called uh, White Coats for Black Lives. So I was, I, before we got on, I was just kind of looking it up and um, it's a national association of medical students and advisors to um, help dismantle the systemic racism, you know, in mm-hmm. medical education and yeah. the healthcare system. Um, so I was kind of looking them up because I was thinking about, about how hearing the vice president of Minneapolis City Council. She's the first one I've heard speak out loud, like on a national stage, say that racism is a public health crisis, you know, and mm-hmm. I've, I've been seeing that gaining traction, you know, and it, you know, it is as far as, um, you know, like talking about problems with health literacy, um, you know, there's problems with access, there's problems with people of color being believed. Uh, people of color don't receive um, uh, like care for pain like they should, you know, if, if I were a white folk, you know, walking in. Um, <clears throat> I read the story about a, um, a black woman who had COVID and she was turned away from the emergency room and she ended up dying, you know, and it's the systemic devaluing of the lives of people of color, you know, not, you know, not as much, not worth as much, you know, yeah. yeah. So I was, I was thinking about, um, oh, I'm going to be on a um, con call with, they've got a con call Saturday afternoon. So I um, signed up for the email. I asked to join that because um, I want to kind of hear what's going on with the organization. The organization has been around since, 2015. Okay. Yeah. Of course, you know, white girl. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it wasn't formed just around this incident, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's kind of like, oh, here, here I am, the white person, you know, just finding out about it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Why why haven't I known this yet? And welcome back with us here at Medical Necessity. This is Katrina. And this is Dr. Gina. And we are carrying on with our part two of episode three on experts. 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 Now, I'm pretty sure last time when we talked, someone got punked. <laughs> oh, that's so, that's so nice of you. I don't even have to do the editing for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Based on the chapter by um, Mr. Friedman, David H. Friedman, book we were talking about last time, 
she got punked based on the chapter 11 simple never fail rules for not being misled by experts. And she was like, oh, yeah, 11 simple rules. Wait, 11 is a odd number, but it's okay. We'll figure this out. So uh, come to find out, it was a kind of ironic title in the sense that there are never a simple never fail rule for not being misled, but more so tactics and tools that you can use to kind of navigate through what is good information and what is not from these so-claimed experts. Okay, let's, uh, let's have you turn, yeah, turn off okay. video. We're going to go video, uh, it's not silent, <laughs> yeah. video, video dark. Okay, video dark. Yeah, for, this, for the sake of the, uh, for the sake of the audio. Okay, so I want to know, what were you thinking when I was sitting there and, okay, so I had found the book, like, like the day before, and I saw, I saw the title about, oh, okay, so this is a, this is a title about experts called Wrong, um, How Experts Fail Us, and, you know, and that title goes on by David H. Friedman, a science writer. And I saw, I saw the chapter, you know, and I thought, oh, cool. Yeah, this will be easy. <laughs> so what, uh, in your words, uh, kind of what happened uh, to easy when, yeah. I, when, I, uh, when I did that? Well, I mean, I was like, she, I don't even know how we transitioned so quickly. And then you just kept reading from it, the chapter. And I was like, this is cool information. And then it kept going and going. And I was like, okay, I'm lost now. Help. But I was waiting for you to stop talking. So I could <laughs> <be> like, what? <laughs> and then you did. And my face was like, uh, <laughs> when, when was this going to be talked about? But I probably would have done the same thing, to be honest. When I find something exciting that fits in with, like, something I want to talk about, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got it. But then I'm like, uh, I should have, like, read this beforehand. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. Oh my gatos. Oh man. <laughs> it was such a bad book. It, it was the bad book report where you haven't read the book and so you try and bullshit your way through it. Yep. <laughs> and I was just I was just getting more and more in the weeds, man. You were smart spark noting it. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. But oh, no, I man. mean it happens to the best of us, and that's why we're making this part two, so we can really dive into it and make more sense of it. <laughs> make more sense of it and actually give you good folks out there in listener land some actual tips. Yeah. Yeah. That too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that too. Oh, my goodness. Well, part of, okay, so my, my first clue when I actually went back and reread the chapter, because we were we were done with it and I'm like, Oh my God, that was so bad. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I, when I read the chapter, my hint and a half was a couple of pages into the chapter. If I would have read that, that explained how the title 11 simple never fail rules for not being misled by experts was a bit big red flag. Like if I would have been paying attention, it should have been a warning signal. <laughs> he gotcha. He got me. <laughs> Cause yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. I didn't read the rest of the book. Okay. 
Yeah, but you used he, the chapter for a purpose. I understand. <laughs> but but I did actually read the damn chapter this time. <laughs> and his so his deal is talking about how, okay, number one, it's hard to even tell what expertise is. Um, he devote he devoted a lot of time about talking about how the field of people who study expertise can't even say for sure what expert what it what it is they're studying. So that's full of gray areas, and even even experts get fooled by other experts, mm-hmm. or even fooled by you know lay people, you know by the non-experts. Well, because more stuff keeps coming out all the time that proves other things wrong. So it's just like, I don't know. It's like there's, oh, you're always searching for that answer. So it's not surprised to me that they keep getting proved wrong by others because someone else discovers something and is like, hey, actually it's like this. And you're like, oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's how I feel about that. Yeah. So it's, it's our hope today that we can, we can give you some tips because, okay, here's the thing. We, we talked about, should you not listen to experts? Not so good, okay? It's like, you and I know it's a good idea to eat a healthy diet, to exercise. Friedman gives the example of wearing a seatbelt. He gave the example of this, um, of this woman who, she was the head of a physician's group, I guess, at a major hospital. And she unfortunately died in a texting while driving accident. Okay, so bad, bad enough, she was texting and driving. She wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Uh, yeah. I was, I was going to say rookie mistake, but I feel like that's really mean. No, she was not a rookie. Yeah. She was not a rookie. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, she, she was a health expert. She knew better. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we ignore... You know, so the point he's trying to make is you can't follow every piece of advice that comes out. But at the same time, you just can't throw it all away. Correct. Yes. And we ignore experts at our peril. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's, that's quite a phrase. But... Here's how hard it is to spot an expert. We talked last time about, you know, what are, you know, what are the things that make us, like, trust people and... Um, you know, trust their opinion and, and things like that. Well, uh, David Friedman interviewed this sociologist, Harry Collins, and he's at Cardiff University of Wales, all right? He's like the expert's expert. His field of research and study is on expertise. From about 2011 to 2016, he was running a research study uh, called The Imitation Game. So what this game, and um, he had David Friedman play it. What David Friedman experienced, okay, was, and we're not even, we're not even talking about, you know, hey, is this guy, you know, like a rocket scientist or not? No. It was something as simple as, okay, there are two people in separate rooms. They're going to be answering questions that you send them, you know, via computer, mm-hmm. which one is British? Okay, something, something, you know, you think as simple as that. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I'd be able to, you know, it's going to be obvious. You know, he would send them questions, you know, like what 
if, you know, during tea time, what do you normally eat? This guy said, well, depending on if it's, uh, if it's like afternoon tea, you know, something like, something like cookies. And the other guy said, well, usually, usually sandwiches and biscuits, unless it's uh, tea with the evening meal, you know, Mm -hmm. and it goes, you know, it goes on, you know, you know, why didn't, why didn't the royal family, why did Princess Diana have difficulty with the royal family? And the first guy answers, um, well, it's because of her background. Okay, like her social background, you know, wasn't up to par. And the other guy answered, well, her husband and mother-in-law really didn't care for her. Uh, so that caused problems. Okay, the, he br- brings, the, uh, brings the two guys in. And so the sociologist is saying, okay, could you tell, you know, could you tell which one is British? And he so the sociologist dude, he's like, Question number one should have been a giveaway because no British person is going to call um, something that they eat with tea a cookie. It's mm-hmm. that's that's an American term, you know, or that's you know that's a British person would call it a biscuit. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, doy, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, but like, what if you didn't know that about their culture? Because like. Well, but he he asked like several, well, that's the thing, you know, especially someone, the point, the point of the exercise is if someone is really trying hard to fool you, they can present enough information to look like they know what they're talking about. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's based on this whole idea of the game is based on this whole idea of what um, Harry Collins called tacit knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it's tacit knowledge is what someone um, like the facility that someone develops by being actively engaged in a topic for like years and years. Okay. You know, the clues, the clues for tacit knowledge, they, they can even be like glaring, but yeah, if you don't know, you know, you don't know. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like originally when Harry Collins put him in that room to be like who's British it's like I don't like not that I feel like the average person wouldn't even know I don't know it's just so particular into what he's asking Mm -hmm. to get an answer out of that is like difficult yeah here's the thing you could flip a coin and about do as well I mean it was it was a 50 50 shot Yeah. yeah do you think people do that subconsciously where they provide like to the point where, I don't know, they provide all that information or they provide information to someone and they don't even, like, because what, how did you describe it as providing a, like, a lot of information and so it's, not registering? Well, it's kind of, um, are, are you talking about what tacit knowledge, what he was talking yeah. about with tacit knowledge? Okay. For example, it's like stuff that you would know as a personal trainer that the average person wouldn't know. It would be for me, oh, like certain, like a certain vocabulary and terminology and and ways of speaking and ways of doing things and that make you, yeah, that make you fit in. 
-hmm. you know, to um, whatever, whatever field you're in. How, okay, how could you, if we were playing the game, we've got two people behind the door, you know, I don't know it to you, right? And there's another person who's, uh, you know, not a personal trainer, you know, like what's, what do you think something that would really trip me up? Uh, One of them could be how many times a week each of them work out like one person works out three days a week the other person works out five days a week and uh because like I don't know it could just be an average person who enjoys working out or it could be someone or the personal trainer's too busy and can only work out three days a week so that could probably slip someone up you'd think that the trainer would be the person that works out more but it's really not yeah exactly you would assume that it's it's kind of the assumptions that people provide you know yeah like a stereotype Mm-hmm. Um, yeah just like with the British I mean that's kind of what I was thinking like someone who because maybe because I feel like I mean not to get like or well, anyways stereotypes kind of shape a lot of things so whether that could be of an expert you know oh they're a doctor so they probably do this or whatever aside from just what actual fact is so yeah that's kind of I feel like that would trip up people on this game for sure yes yeah. yeah. Well, I, re- <laughs> I learned last time, oh, I know how to trip you up good. Okay. <laughs> it's like, okay, which person, which person is the physical therapist? And someone says, well, I work, I work on a burn unit and I help treat burns. Mm-hmm. It's like, would you, you know, say, and the other person is like, you know, oh, you know, no way. It's like, you know, physical therapists don't do that. Yep, that's what I thought until you told me. Yes. I feel like this would be a good game to play in like a school setting. You can learn a lot. Be like, oh, I didn't know that. Breaking the like barriers of different like professions and things. I don't know. It'd be like, uh, I don't know, almost like an online. Yeah, I know. Almost like an online poll or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. For like students who are in college trying to get a career path, like what are their views on these jobs? Like what do they think they're going into, which really aren't what they know? For example, like I wanted to be a dietitian. Mm-hmm. I learned from other dietitians that they don't make a lot of money and that their structure of their education is old school and it hasn't been updated. And I was like, what? Like, I mean, that's kind of, it's not more of the person, it's not more of like anything like personality wise or what they do but like it's of what you would think oh a dietitian probably makes good money not saying that they don't but from like what I've heard from those who are in the profession they're like yeah we really don't so like oh that would be nice to know so it helps students kind of do more research if they are able to kind of twist that and get that tacit knowledge I guess out of it yeah maybe um so yeah here's the Here's the hard part, um, because the the person in the hot seat has to has to come up with the questions True. to to ask the other people. Um, yeah, so that's you know just like any kind of implicit bias, you don't you don't even know what questions are most relevant. Yeah, that's which true. I yeah, which I find really interesting. Mm-hmm. Maybe, oh, I wonder if the, if the rules allow you to say, um, what, 
what questions would you ask a dietitian to know if they're legit, you know? Yeah, that's true. I'm sure there, I'm sure there's a rule in there where you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> get, get, get bonus points or cheating points on Oh, I, I forget what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> we were moving on to the next point. Oh, uh, but still related. Okay, so this, this Harry Collins dude, uh, he's a cheeky little bugger. He's a sociologist. Harry Collins, cheeky little bugger who's a sociologist. Do you know he managed to convince a panel of physicists that he was an expert in not only physics, but in gravitational physics? Hmm. So he's a sociologist, gravitational physics professor of sorts. He's just, he's a jack of all trades. No, he's not. No, I call bull. I know. (laughs) He is not. He just managed. Okay, so the the thing, the thing about being an expert, experts specialize in their fields, right? Um, Like, for example, what are some specializations in the field of personal training that you could think of just off the top of your head? Strength training, weight loss, corrective exercise. Um, like geriatrics? I, yeah. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Like those things? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So someone, someone who's like seeing a, seeing a clientele of 70-year-olds is going to, wouldn't you take um, continuing education and classes and things like that that pertain to what you specialize in, you know, makes sense, right? Correct. Well, Harry Collins, that cheeky monkey, (laughs) he he was just, he was just able to like Google enough shit to, okay, so physicists, a panel of physicists, but they were not gravitational physicists because it's like their fields of study within, you know, because physics is huge, you know, all the way from subatomic particles, you know, to the entire universe, you know, Mm -hmm. covers a lot of ground, shall we say, you know, time and space and all that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all of time all of time and space and all the all the laws for how uh how the world works um it's it's a lot um so they're not they're not going to know diddly about gravitational physics so it's like yeah he fooled them that's crazy crazy so then the it begs the question even if the experts get punked i mean punked 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 worse than i got punked you know um what what can you and i do you know what can we do about that (laughs) for our own sake or for him no, for our, for our own sake. Oh, okay, okay. You know, how do, how do we evaluate expertise? I do feel bad for them for falling for that. but <laughs> I don't. They, they can take it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's um, like I think, think they probably learned something valuable. Yeah. I feel like, like being able to weed through that information and take it with a grain of salt 
and kind of just like figuring out what to look for when presented information, you know, which I'm sure we are going to cover with um, the categories that Friedman talks about in his book for kind of understanding expert information. But I mean, there's probably not a ton we can do besides just kind of try to find a couple things that might detect like wrong information. Oh yeah, so, yeah, because uh, he he makes it he makes it pretty clear that there's no right or wrong answer, and it's about doing what you can to to mitigate the risk of listening to expert advice. You know, he's he's kind of like, okay, you know, I don't have eleven, you know, fail safe, you know, surefire answer you know guidelines or answers for you mm -hmm. but i can give you a set of tools to help you develop kind of a mental checklist when you when you hear claims by an expert you know when you read some, when you read something you know oh hey this new science you know this new science is promising or you know you see someone on dr oz or oprah or you know what have you yeah no i think that'll be we but, see it yeah we see it every day we do constantly too yeah oh, oh oh i wanted to i wanted to tell the story about remember i was i was telling you i was telling you last time during the bad book report <laughs> <laughs> okay this is how bad people can get punked you know if they're <laughs> if they're like making assumptions about someone and if someone really wants to fool you they can Mm -hmm. um, back in 2007, uh, MIT had to fire its director of admissions because she had faked like all her degrees, all her undergraduate degrees, all her graduate degrees. And apparently she spoke out a lot about the problem with people applying to college and padding their resumes. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Wow. How do you even fake a degree? That college would get in trouble, I would feel like. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a lot would happen. A lot would be taken down with that. Hence why she was fired. Because if you I think number one, if you act like you belong someplace and if you talk, if you talk, say the right words and talk a certain way and um, just act as if, then people are, people aren't really, people aren't out looking to, out, people aren't out looking to discredit you, except now at MIT, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah now, <laughs> definitely, they're going to be on edge with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, someone, can you imagine the person sitting down? Oh, it's like, damn it, I got to write this policy now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we actually have to check and see if your school exists, you know, <laughs> if they have any record of you. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh man, what a headache. <laughs> so much work and effort. Indeed. And, yeah. And that's another thing, too. It's like, you and I, you and I and everyone, we're all so lazy, man. It's, 
it's like figuring figuring the shit out it requires it requires some effort and vigilance you know yeah it does you know and we've got it it's like everyone's got enough going on in their lives that's why we're listening to the damn experts in the first place and we Mm -hmm. we talked about that the last time you know it's like I ain't got time for a medical degree, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Because if we did, we'd be doing all of our own stuff all the time. At least exactly. I would want to. Yeah. It's like, I don't have time to learn how to launch a rocket, you know? <laughs> <laughs> to, you know Although to, that'd be kind of cool to like learn and do in your backyard. No big deal. Just like a tiny one, not anything big. It's fine. No big deal. Question is, where are you going with that rocket? Where are you going to take it? Wait, what are we, what are we talking about now? Uh, I don't know. The <laughs> rocket that, that you said, I don't have time to make a rocket. I'm like, but if you did have time, where well, would you want to send it? <laughs> oh, I guess um, if you, yeah, I did kind of jump ahead, didn't I? Uh, I yeah, I'm kind of bad about that. Um, we, we, we pretty much agree as a country, it's a good thing to have a space program but I don't have the time, knowledge, energy, materials, or support to build my own damn rocket. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So anyway, back to Friedman. Back back to our buddy Friedman, David H. H. Friedman. The, The takeaway that we want to leave people with is to help pass on uh, David H. Friedman's set of tools to help you develop this mental checklist, you know, to kind of tick things off, you know, when someone is, someone is getting on, getting on the doctors and making a claim or what have you. Um, okay. So he, he, he's got the, he's got these 11 tips um, that are ne- that are neither simple nor simplistic, but they kind of they fall into three major groups. And I thought maybe it's it's probably clearest if we start with um, advice you can just ignore. If you if you see see or hear these things, just kind of eh, just kind of set that aside, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll put it over here, you know. Okay, go go away. Yeah. All right. So, like something, you know, something that's a fad, you know, and it gets a lot of press. Mm-hmm. Can you can you think of any fads that fit that description in your every, in your world? Every single diet plan out there. Ooh, try this. Eat this. Do this. Do that all of them every single one because you want to know why the answer for a majority of people is just to eat a well-balanced diet which i know that could probably even be a fad but it's not it's based on the my plate that the fda puts out but like you just eat a well-balanced meal of everything that we can possibly eat and stay away from processed foods like you know but they're always like you know use less butter or use this even in my opinion keto is a fad right now keto is a huge fad because there's not enough research out there for long-term use of keto because originally it was just used for people with epilepsy or other types of issues that people were having 
that they needed to kind of have more high fat in their diet, but it's not sustainable for someone that wants to, you know, maintain their life because they're not eating half of the vegetables that they need. The keto diet literally cuts out like a lot of healthy green vegetables mm. because of like, I don't know, whatever's in them that you can't have. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that one would be a huge one. And at least in the realm of what I see every day with personal training. Uh, yeah. So it's that, it's that thing that, you know, it's, um, it's provocative, you know, mm -hmm. um, it gets a lot of press, you know, it's kind of that Oprah effect advice to ignore. Okay. So there's, um, I don't know if you remember from last time we were starting to get into something called the Gish Gallop, which I had never heard before, but I've, but you and I have experienced this for sure. Okay. If you're listening to, um, okay. So like you're watching, you're watching an infomercial about knives, you know, Hey, it slices, it dices, it, you know, cures cancer. It, um, and here's, you know, here's all my proof to back it up. Oh, that was quick. Yeah. <laughs> the the <about> siren. <laughs> okay. So the, the Gish Gallup. So what it, what it is, I, you know, I didn't know this had a name, but this is when someone's like trying to prove something or tell you something and they just throw like a bunch of research studies at you. I experienced this when I was um, taking a continuing education class and I'm not, I'm not going to mention for what uh, because it's a major hospital system here in town. But they were like throwing all, throwing all this research, you know, it's like, well, here's the study and here's the study and here's the study. Well, you look at the studies and they're not so good, you know, but it's, it's meant to just overwhelm you like, oh man, there's been so much research, you know, done on this. Or another time when I was listening to, it was, it was a sales presentation, a local provider who is doing um, what he calls stem cell treatments for arthritis. And that was literally um, his, his sales reps like would put one slide on the board and it's got, it's got like the, the cover page of a research study and another one and another one, you know, and more and more and more and more. And I remember the one sales rep <laughs> said, well, we did all this research you know, or Dr. So-and-so did all this research, so you don't have to. Uh -huh. And that, that is like, run away, run away. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, man. Have you ever, uh, when have you experienced the Gish Gallop? Well, like sell, someone selling you a supplement or something like oh, yeah. that. That's true. Um, yeah, I think... I think if anything, it was more like beauty products. This beauty product will mm. take care of this and this and this for you. And then you're like, yeah, how much is it? And then it's like a lot of money. And you're like, okay, well, yeah. what, what, where is it sourced from? Who makes it? Oh, it's these two doctors and or dermatologists. And I'm like, whatever. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I want something natural that hasn't been tested on animals that people actually put on their face. Like, so yeah, definitely whenever I'm sold beauty products that they're so um, I, th I think the best. Um, okay, so you you looked at the link I sent you about Elizabeth Holmes, uh, the CEO of Theranos. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay, so what what do you think about that chick? Uh, she definitely was intense at first. Like throughout the article, 
I was like, oh, she's pretty smart. She advanced at such a young age, but then come to find out she seemed very like uh, spiteful and she would seem very like manipulative and just the way that she would go about doing things. And she wanted things to be her way or no way. So instead of being an intelligent human being that's creating something that is like good, which is what she was trying to do, um, instead she just went about it in like a like a child stomping, like, this is going to get done. I want it to be mm-hmm. like this and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, she seems intense. I, and even her pictures, like the pictures taken of her, she looks crazy, her face. Like she just has a crazy stare in her eye. Like she's going to, I don't know. <laughs> well, she, um, so I watched the, I watched the Netflix documentary, I'll, I'll admit. Um, or maybe I forget HBO, Netflix, whatever. Um, yeah about her and her company and um her she really looked up to uh steve jobs and on purpose she would not blink because powerful people blink less than the people who work for them so that makes sense why in her picture she looked like that her eyes needed so intense yes (laughs) i wanted to blink for her yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, she um, she like hoodwinked and buffaloed all these investors because here's the thing: she what she wanted to produce was basically something the size of a printer that could run like fifty medical tests at the same time. Okay, the only problem with that, and they were talking with the engineers who were like, "Oh my God, that's a nightmare." Yeah. is that different different medical tests and we've we've learned this during the um during the covid epidemic that tests require certain equipment certain solutions that have to be done in like a certain order to give certain results and okay so that's just one test and she's trying to do that 50 times over just from a little teeny tiny drop of blood okay because that, that was her whole yeah. um selling point yeah. yeah exactly um so what what she would do okay so the engineers were talking about the nightmare of working on these machines and it's like um it was it was supposed to work by putting this drop of blood into this cartridge and then you push it into the machine right Mm-hmm. And what was really happening was, well, the machine was like locking up and, you know, the, um, uh, t- and the test tubes were, glass test tubes were breaking and they would have to stick their hands into the machine to oh, like man. unstick crap and they were like, yeah, it was just a nightmare. But what, what she would do is like walk investors back and say, you know, she would, she would tell them, oh, you know, this is, you know, we can do this and we can do this and we can do this, you know, kind of that gish gallop thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And then she would go show them machines that were not functional. I mean, they, did, they didn't work period. She would just show them the machines. It's like no one could play with anything. And, you know, that bitch was sending the test out (laughs) to be done. And I believe it was like, you know, she's sending it out to like LabCorp. (laughs) Oh, wow. And it was just like the conventional test being done. 
Gee. Oh, that's so man. bad. Well, that's the other thing. Like, she's not even doing the legwork. She's just pointing fingers to be like, do this, do that. Clearly, it's not working. You need to stop doing it or get your hands dirty and figure out how to fix the machines. Like, I don't like that. Like, this is how we're going to do it. Like, she thinks she's the brains behind the operation, but she's not because clearly she's failing if the engineers can't figure it out. Like, because what she's thinking of is not possible. <laughs> And that's exactly what her medical um, advisor told her <laughs> when she had, because she had, God, I forget, she wanted to deliver like some kind, like an antibiotic via a skin patch or something like that. You know, I can't remember exactly what. And this documentary was um, uh, interviewing her medical advisor in, in school who said, you know what, she just wasn't too interested in the science and the medicine part. Wow. <laughs> she was just interested, yeah, because she's, she's telling her, you know, like the limitations of, you know, what can be done, you know, and, and um, yeah, um, Holmes didn't want to hear any of that, hmm. you know, so yeah. I wonder what, what was her end goal, just to get all this money? But like when if she, investors invested in her, she would use need to use that money towards what she was planning on. But why would she fake it? Like that's what I'm wondering. Like why was she, like realizing she was failing, and was still trying to like hide it? Like I don't know if that answered it in the documentary. Like I just want to know what her end goal was. Did she really want to make money? Did she want to like get these products finished? Like I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's the one who knows the answer to that question. Um, I just know the um, what what she did was she befriended a lot of um, rich and powerful men, including like a uh, former Secretary of State, mm -hmm. um, who and who like saw a lot of potential in her, and because she could talk a good game, you know, sounding like an expert. Um, and they they like put a lot of money into the company, and they're also the one who ones who elevated her visibility too. You know, oh, like yeah. rising young star. You know, so anyway, and um, that that was kind of like you know another thing um, in this. So circling back, squaring back on mm -hmm. advice to ignore. Um, if some, if you see someone like rising, like very quickly in the news, you know, Hey, we've got this new thing. They're going to fall just as fast. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of, um, kind of summing up on advice you can just ignore. Like if someone is throwing a bunch of research studies at you without really, um, picking them apart. Um, if it's, if it's something new and faddish, um, if it's getting a lot of press, if it's on Oprah, if it, if it sounds like something, oh, hey, that's cool. I really want this to be true. You know, I want to be, it's like fat can make you, eating fat can make you lose weight, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, if it's shocking, you know, it's like, ooh, that's kind of naughty. You know, it's like, yeah. I've, al I've always been told, you know, I can't eat fat. Then it's like, eh, just set that aside. Yeah. Not not good info. Agreed. Agreed. So then we move on. And that's a that's about as like certain as uh David Friedman gets. 
So then he moves on to, you know, all these gray areas, like signs of, he doesn't call it, you know, like advice you shouldn't trust. He calls it signs of less trustworthy advice. And then uh, signs of more trustworthy advice, you know, so here's less trustworthy, more trustworthy, you know, again, um, kind of, well, let's, um, you know, as best we can, we'll do our due diligence and kind of have this checklist in our head you know, but all we can do is mitigate risk. All right. Um, So his, his example um, for less trustworthy advice, um, it's going to be very, very simplistic. Okay. And it's, it's going to have, you know, some research, but not a lot. It's going to be backed by a person or organization that stands to make money from it. It's simplistic simplistic because it applies to everybody when it shouldn't like for example you know i had he he uses an example of drinking coffee will extend your lifespan <laughs> what does that even mean <laughs> well exact yeah it's like yeah. what well what questions would you have about that i'd be like how is it going to help me live longer how much of it do i have to drink can i have my Oh, gallons. Double mocha choco latte. <laughs> like, what Mo- does that even mean? What are you having a mocha choco? I don't know. <laughs> Just all the fancy names for drinks. Like, so you'd have to elaborate or they would have to elaborate on that. Yeah. And like, what is it doing to your body that would actually make you live longer? Yeah. Can I give it to my baby? Yeah. Will that yeah, right? make my baby live to 150? Yeah. Um, can, can I give, how much coffee should I have my... 75 year old grandma drink you know Mm -hmm. yeah what if i have high blood pressure should i be drinking coffee yeah that might shorten my lifespan yeah (laughs) send me into cardiac arrest no big deal it's fine yeah that might be the opposite of helpful yeah so yeah and you know then the research is just kind of uh groundbreaking which you know i think that overlaps with the advice to ignore here's the thing about groundbreaking groundbreaking expert advice it's like no one else has seen it so it's like how do you how do you know they're right you know it could it could just be a mistake you know organizations that stand to make money it's like hello you know the tobacco lobby they Mm -hmm. used to they knew that smoking was causing cancer and other health problems but they were even paying physicians to appear in commercials and magazine ads and all that stuff and talk about how how good smoking was for you so Friedman's third category are you are you curious about no you've got you've got a sheet in front of you why am I asking you are you curious about what the third category is yeah Dr. Gina I already know come on oh my god (laughs) throw it at me anyways throw it at you Okay, so his tips for more trustworthy advice. So again, we're looking at, we're mitigating the risk of listening to experts. And, you know, basically what he has to say about advice that's kind of more worthy of being listened to is that instead of being simplistic, it's going to have a lot of that qualifying info in there. You know, like we were talking about coffee, you know. It's like coffee can expand your your lifespan. 
it's like someone someone who's more uh, a study that's more trustworthy or an expert that's more trustworthy are going to ask those questions well you know we looked at you know preteens you know in georgia we looked at we looked at the elderly we looked at middle-aged people we looked at people in their 30s we looked at males we looked at females they're really they're really going to be transparent about the limitations of their study and whether whether or not you know it's going to apply to you or not you know mm-hmm. oh yeah we were t- we were talking about you know like my dirt diet it's like yeah i wanted to i wanted to come up with the dirt diet yeah, the title of my book is God God Made Dirt and Dirt Dirt Don't Hurt, you know, the dirt diet. Making the mud smoothies or what was it, mud shake in the morning? <laughs> yeah, you, you wake up, you have your mud shake. Yeah, totally fine. Makes yeah, sense with exactly. Have a little have a little dirt clod for lunch. Yeah. You know, that's all you need. Just a shake in the morning, a clod for lunch, and then a mud pie for dinner. You're, you're set. <laughs> yeah. You'll be, your skin will be so plump and you're you lose all this weight. I don't know. Who knows what they'll tie it in with. So something that has a lot of qualifiers to it, you know, you have to look at how does it relate to you in particular and what I was just talking about. Um, it's called generalizability. If there's only like one study that's looking at a population of males age 50 to 70 about knee pain, do you think it's going to apply to you, Katrina? No. No, probably not. It's like maybe, but I wouldn't bank on it, you know? Yeah, there's too many different variables in that study. That right. That would be different. Yeah, so someone someone who's trustworthy, they're going to point that out, you know? Yep, And exactly. there's, there's something in, um, you know, if you ever want to curl up with a good research paper, you know? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because that's a good time. No, some some people enjoy it. Yeah. I, I I do it to keep up with keep up with uh, science in my field. There's there's a thing in research papers where you have to talk about the limitations of your study, and it's usually pretty lame. You know, <laughs> it's like you're reading this. It's like, oh, this is so lame. Well, someone you know, someone who actually does the legwork and say, hey, you know, we didn't take this into consideration, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and they always say, you know, future studies, you know, should look at if someone actually does the legwork, and doesn't like put a put a token phrase in there, you know, they're worthy of a little bit more respect, you know, yeah. and they're also going to provide more context about um, other research out there that either um, confirms what they're saying or especially you know that doesn't agree with them and why you know yeah exactly yeah right a reason whether it is for it or against it you know, yeah backing that up yeah so now yet now y'all have kind of this kind of this checklist okay three categories katrina what are those categories so Advice to ignore, toss away, throw away, don't even give it a second look. We have signs of less trustworthy advice, so mm, maybe you can go somewhere with it, but maybe you can't. Yeah, kind of wait and see. Yeah, see what you else know. more comes out behind it. Yeah, see what, see what cooks, you know, see what bubbles up. And then more 
trustworthy advice. So something that has more uh, substance to it. Yeah. Then, okay, so the takeaway from all this, so David Friedman kind of boils it down to, um, you know, people are kind of, when people are presented with expert advice, they kind of ask themselves, well, you know, golly, um, and they're already thinking about like changing their lives, you know, oh my, oh my God, I need to lose, I need to lose this weight. How do I fit this into my life? It's like, no, the question you need to be asking is, I wonder how likely it is that this advice will turn out to be worth following. Mm -hmm. And that's a direct quote from his book. Yep. That's, that's a good one. Cause like, you know, like I said earlier, more things will come up and it's, you know, you can take that advice with a grain of salt and then from there, see what more information follows, as we just said. And, you know, maybe you can utilize it even more so in the future once more information comes out to prove it to be correct. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, you know, let's wait and see. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, in the meantime, we still wear our seatbelts. We exercise, yeah. you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We eat a lot of different foods under the color of the rainbow. <laughs> All right. Kind of kind of final thoughts. What what we're going to do is post a link to the book uh, Wrong by David H. Friedman. And I also wanted to share with folks that there's a website out there to, if you're just curious about critical thinking in general and seeing what errors you make in arguments or stuff like that, or, you know, Lord knows you're looking on the internet and you wanna, you wanna yeah. see what mistakes other people are making. There's a website that I learned about, um, shout out to the podcast, You Are Not So Smart. And there is a website called Your Logical Fallacy is.com. It's pretty cool. I had, I enjoyed going through it and being like, wow, I do this or wow, I've seen people do that. Uh-huh. You kind of get a little angry because you're like, wow. Wow. I wish I would have known this. Yeah. What <laughs> was, like, what was one that got y'all fired up? So from that website, your logical fallacy is the one that I saw that I've seen so much from just arguing with people that I care about or in classmates or whoever is the two folk way where you have avoided having to engage with criticism by turning it back on the accuser. You answered criticism with criticism. That irks me so much because people cannot take criticism and they just want to push it back on the other person. And it's like people need to start taking ownership for things that they do right or wrong so yeah was like oh yeah and it's cool to think that there is like a something that goes along with that or to put a label on something to say this is a thing because people will be like I don't know what you're talking about I don't do that it's like yeah you do it's actually called to quoque like it's a logical fallacy like you can kind of back up your shit with that so I don't know that's why I like philosophy and all that kind of stuff because it, it's just the way we interact with everyone yeah. So, yeah, I'll uh, I'll put in the show notes uh, link to the book wrong, link to the book book link to the website. Lord help me. Uh, your logical fallacy is dot com, and also uh, give a shout out link to uh, the You Are Not So Smart podcast that turned me on to that website. 
Solid. Solid, man. So shall we wrap up? Yes. That was, I learned a lot myself and I hope our listeners can take away some important information to keep themselves and their family safe when they're trying new things and learning about stuff. Cause I know I've been guilty of going right into something that I heard about and then it didn't work out in my favor. Either I didn't, I got sick or I got hurt or emotionally felt distraught. So like definitely want to protect yourself by, you know, just taking these measures to just take a second before you act and think on it and be like, you know, is this really something I should do or pursue? So that's my. Are you enjoying our podcast? We want to hear your feedback. We are now on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Whichever platform tickles your fancy, give us a like and a rating. I like having my fancy tickled. Ooh. This has been Medical Necessity with Katrina. And Dr. Gina. And we want you to remember, if you find yourself in the flood of medical information, keep paddling, stay off the rocks, and thank you for joining us on the ride.